This is Associations Thrive, the podcast celebrating successful associations and their leaders. I'm your host, Joanna Pineda, CEO and Chief Troublemaker at Matrix Group International. Listen in as top association executives tell all, revealing the creative and innovative ways they're increasing membership, generating revenue, nurturing engagement, and reimagining their organizations. By the way, if you've launched a new initiative, created new member services, or updated your governance structure and are seeing great results, I want to hear your story and so do my listeners. I'd love to have you as a guest. Go to podcast.matrixgroup.net and apply to be on Associations Thrive. Now let's dive into this week's show. Today, I'm speaking with Leah Monica and Ray Stankowitz. Leah is Director of Marketing at Matrix Group International, and Ray is Director of Client Services. And for those of you who are loyal listeners of Associations Thrive, you know that the very first episode of this podcast, the pilot, featured Leah and Ray. And so today, they're back in the studio with me to talk about 2023 and the amazing guests that I had on Associations Thrive. Leah and Ray, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, great to be back. Leah and Ray, I know that you're both avid podcast listeners. All the time. (laughs) All the time, yeah. So in addition to Associations Thrive, what do you listen to? Let's give our listeners some ideas about other things to listen to. Ooh, good question. I love this. I listen to a whole bunch. As you can probably imagine, I have young ones, so I tend to listen to a lot of parenting podcasts and things of the like. Uh, Raising Boys and Girls is probably my favorite in that category. But I also often listen to business-focused podcasts such as HBR IdeaCast. That's probably one of my absolute favorites. Love it. I love Masters of Scale. Joanna, I know that's one of your faves as well. Yep. And another one I really like if you're marketing focused is the CMO podcast. I'm also a huge Masters of Scale fan. Um, That's from uh, Reid Hoffman, who I think he does a lot of profiles. Reid was one of the founders of LinkedIn, and he does some evaluation of different business and startups. Um, So that's always really interesting to listen to. For me, I think, you know, some of the other ways I like to change it up on the podcasting front, I listen to the Hard Fork Technology from the New York Times. It's kind of a longer show, but it's great to listen to just to uh, get uh, some other regroups around sort of different trends happening in technology. Also gets a little bit into the tech and the startup scene, so some interesting commentary there. And then more in the pop culture realm, I listen to This American Life, which comes out pretty regularly, I think every week on Saturday or Sunday. Love it. From National Public Radio. And then I'm also a huge pop music nerd, so I listen to the Switched On Pop podcast as well. It has some like really in-the-weeds nerdy analysis about pop music trends and different uh, roundups of different uh, pop music that's out there. Ooh, I hadn't heard of that one. I love it. I'm learning about these new podcasts from you all. Thank you. Let's turn to Associations Thrive. You guys know that I had the huge honor and pleasure of interviewing some amazing guests this year. Are there any episodes that you particularly love that stood out to you? There are so many really great conversations and interviews that you had throughout the past couple of months, I think. One of the ones that really stood out to me was your, your profile of Jimmy Williams from the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades. To me, it really kind of covered a lot of ground in his interview, but I think you know a lot of it came down to how they were really embracing new technology for their organization. So there's so many things available in technology in terms of mobile, virtual reality, augmented reality solutions, you know, having a mindset to really kind of evaluate some of the new offerings and think about how they could use it for their industry. So for the painters, it sounds like 
Some of these advances in technology has just opened a ton of opportunities and is really saving their members a lot of time and money. I think another interview that really kind of stood out to me was also your profile of Rich Yep, who was also at the, uh, the Solid Waste Association of North America. He was the CEO there. Interim CEO. Interim CEO. I was trying to remember the exact way of how he had phrased it. I thought Rich had a lot of really good commentary and he had some really interesting perspectives of sort of like a lifelong career within the association field and how he wanted to navigate it. So, you know, his really advice to really have the courage to be curious and to challenge things and ask questions and not be afraid to disrupt the status quo was really kind of like a a real skill that he really honed and, and developed over the course of his career. But, you know, just how he was able to apply different lessons from, you know, so many years working at the American Counseling Association and then completely pivot and take some of those ideas and move into a completely different industry of solid waste management and still really kind of apply those same skills. I thought that was really interesting in terms of his perspective and his ability to really apply that in different ways and within the different roles that he was really taking on. Hey, Leah, how about you? Oh, my goodness. I don't know that I can pick a few that are my favorites. I know. It's like Sophie's choice, right? I know, right? And I'm not just trying to be teacher's pet here. Honestly, I, I love all of them. I take so much out of every episode. The ones that probably come top of mind are Tara Pucky from the Radio Television Digital News Association. I really love that interview. I thought it was really fascinating how they reimagined and reinvented their conferences to really help the organization stand out in a really crowded field. I had no idea that there were about 100 journalist associations. That was crazy to me. You know, then there's a lot of competition in the market. So how they were very, very thoughtful about changing their conferences. Yeah, Glynis Harvey talked about that too. She talked about reimagining their conference. Was it really interesting? Yeah. And also along that episode, I really liked the insight she had on staff culture changes. I think going fully remote, she talked very eloquently about why and how they switched to unlimited PTO and just kind of creating a culture when you are all remote all of a sudden, how you have to be a little bit more thoughtful about kind of whole person relationships and not just professional relationships. So I really enjoyed that. Probably another one of my favorites is Jeffrey Beckham from Chicago Scholars. He blew me away. I thought his path to getting where he was is super interesting And the passion and drive that he has is absolutely incredible. He has such a great story and such an immense passion for what he does. And it is so apparent in the way that that organization is thriving because of it. But, you know, how can you not be passionate about helping change life outcomes for underserved populations? That was really cool. And then maybe my final one that comes top of mind when I'm thinking about it is Larry Hoffer from the American Institute of Architecture Students. Something that really stood out to me there was that they had this super unique governance structure where it's an organization for students, but run by students. So I thought that was really interesting. And also architecture is near and dear to my heart. My husband is an architect, so I've seen this process, but architecture school can be really grueling and how they're not just meeting members' needs from a professional perspective, but how they're really going in to say, there's a big mental health issue here potentially. So how can we kind of go in and, and help whole person formation and everything that they need to thrive, not just professionally. Oh, yeah. Another one that I, you know just kind of made me think about something else just from a tech perspective is John from the Michigan Veterinary Medical Association had some really interesting commentary about how some of their organization's operations work, but he had something that really stood out to me in terms of technology and that there are really so many 
accessible and easy to use solutions out there in terms of data analytics, you know, different dashboards and ways to make your organizations more data driven. And that's really kind of like a drum that we've been banging for clients for years at Matrix Group. But I think it's really an inflection point for considering that as a real benchmark for really any membership organization. So, you know, when you're thinking at the executive level, you can have a strong vision or perspective about where you want to go as an organization, but you need to be able to back things up with data and getting buy-in from your staff in order to get big things done. What about you, Joanna? We got to share, but you get to interview all these CEOs And that gives you this unique insight into what CEOs are thinking and the new and different things that successful associations and nonprofits are doing to thrive. So what themes did you see this year? What an interesting question and one that I think about a lot, as you know. I try to step back every couple of months and think about the threads that tie some of these episodes together. One theme that keeps coming through is the importance of having a great culture in order to have a high-performing organization. I think about Julie Kresge from the Cleveland Cord Blood Center, and she said that when she first got to CCBC, if you had asked, is this a great place to work, the answer would not have been yes, even though the organization was doing such amazing work. So she said about really changing the culture. And then there's Tara Pucky, who you talked about, who talked about really ushering a new culture that includes being fully remote and really knowing your coworkers. And then Wendy Joe Toyama from the American Academy of Hospice and Palliative Medicine, who talked about bringing her leadership values to the organization and how even during the interview process, she wanted to be sure that this was an organization that was going to allow her to really bring those values to the staff and the culture. Yeah, I think, you know, staff and culture really seem to be a recurring theme from a number of the different conversations. I was thinking about the interview that you did with Melanie Gottlieb from uh, the American Association of Collegiate Registrars and the Admissions Officers. I think it was really, you know, kind of having the importance of having these larger executive and strategic conversations, but really thinking about ways to get everyone involved in terms of staff. So it sounded like ACRO made a commitment to doing a series of regular staff retreats and then having a schedule where there was a regular level of goal setting and checking to really kind of execute their strategy and make sure that everyone was on board. So I thought that was really pretty important to some of the way that they were making changes as an organization. I think another theme really centered around governance. Oh, God, governance is huge. It comes up in almost every interview. Cynthia Young from the American Art Therapy Association talked about giving student members a vote and how she tried to do it a few years earlier didn't work, but recently it was voted successfully. And she said she just felt so strongly that students, and these are master's degree students, that they should have a voice in the organization. Sharon Kneebone from the American Academy for Pain Medicine talked about adding non-MD-PhDs to their membership types. This is really in recognition of the fact that pain medicine or palliative care is provided for by a team of people. So it doesn't make sense to have non-doctors who are part of that care not have a voice at the organization. And then, of course, there's Lowell Applebaum from Vistakova who talked about how to cultivate and nurture great relationships with your board. He shared some amazing tips. And one of the tips that I loved was when you redo your strategic plan, you need to sunset your committees and then bring them back so that it's very clear that they are now being brought back to support the new strategic plan. Even if you have a lot of the same people This is a new plan that you're now moving forward with. And I think about how 
what Lowell was saying was really supported by Jeff Shields from the National Business Officers Association, who talked about the importance of having a great relationship with his board and how his strong relationship with board members really helps the organization know where to go and really helps the board act in partnership with the staff. So there's no conflict there. They know where they're going and they're getting there together. Yeah, I thought it was so interesting to see how organizations are revamping their member types and their leadership structure. I think that was a very strong theme. Yeah. Same thing of other themes, Joanna. Didn't branding and website redesigns come through a good amount in these episodes? Oh, yes. And of course, that was fun because that's the bailiwick of Matrix Group, helping organizations figure out how to thrive in the digital space. Johnny White from the American Society of Appraisers, a client, talked about how ASA revamped every single aspect of their tech ecosystem, right. including their website, their membership database, their LMS, and their community. And then think about Tim Brink from the Mechanical Contractors Association of America and Aaron Hilger from the Sheet Metal Contractors National Association. They talked about how tech either constrains or powers the organization. And so through website redesigns and new membership databases, they're now doing much better and thriving because they have tools that the staff can use that the members find more user-friendly and they have data. So incredible. Yeah. I mean, I feel like so many of the interviews and and they have so many things in common, but I guess, you know, I'm wondering, you know, throughout the year, was there really specific episodes or insights that really surprised you, Joanna? Oh, gosh, Yes. You know, I never really know what I'm going to get when I do these interviews because there's no set topic. I don't go into the interview saying, okay, Ray, we're going to talk about branding today. I basically say, what are you doing as an organization to thrive? And then I get what I get and always some amazing insights. But in particular, Khan Vu from the Society of Asian Scientists and Engineers talked about how SACE helps members become great communicators and leaders. Not great techies, but great communicators and leaders, because Asian techies are less likely to speak up and, quote, show more Western-style leadership skills. Very, very interesting. And I actually shared that episode with some of my Asian-American friends, and a couple of them said, you know, I wonder if that held my dad back in his career. And then there's Bob Thomas from the Concrete Masonry and Hardscapes Association, who talked about the Concrete Block Checkoff Program. This is something that he worked on for 10 years. And starting in January of 2023, for every sale of a concrete block in the United States, a penny goes to an organization that funds research, training, and promotion. Amazing. Like, we know about the Got Milk campaign, but who knew about the Concrete Block Checkoff Program Turns out this is the first non-agricultural checkoff program in the U.S. Complete surprise. And think about this. CMHA is a client. We're doing a redesign for them. We did all this discovery, and we never heard about the checkoff program. I actually said to Bob, Bob, I have been in meeting after meeting with you, and this never came up. And he said, well, that's because it's an industry initiative, not a CMHA initiative, but nevertheless, just amazing insight and information. Right. And concrete's like one of those industries that really, you know, it impacts everybody and you just don't realize how how involved it is in everyone's life. Yes. And, you know, I also realized something really important during these interviews, and that is that associations had a huge role in helping the U.S. survive and really overcome the pandemic. And check this out. 
So Patty Montague from the School Nutrition Association talked about how a coalition of organizations advocated for waivers to laws that mandated that school lunches and breakfasts only be served in the schools. And if these waivers didn't happen, then that meant that the schools couldn't serve the lunches and breakfasts via bus or outside school grounds the way they did during the pandemic, which would have led to just really mass hunger in our communities. Unbelievable. Apparently, this coalition like sprung into action as soon as the pandemic hit, and it's because of them that these waivers got passed. And then I think about Chuck Ingolia, who's CEO of the National Council for Mental Wellbeing, again, talked about how his organization, along with others, advocated for national telehealth laws, which turns out we didn't have. These laws were so important because it allowed all of us to see doctors virtually and then have the insurance companies pay for those visits. This did not exist before the pandemic. So think about all these associations that were really working in the background during the pandemic so that these laws could be changed and we could continue to function as a society. That came through in some of these interviews, and it was just mind-boggling to hear about the work that they did and how much work had to happen. It has such a massive impact that they all had. You're absolutely right. I don't think I'd pulled that thread. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of these organizations, you know, they really helped people take care of themselves, you know, throughout the pandemic and really think about ways that they could thrive, you know, in spite of everything else happening in the world. So I think really as a maybe almost like a, a macro trend for all these interviews, what really struck me is how forthcoming the CEOs really seem to be about sharing what it was about their organization and the things that they were doing in order to thrive. Absolutely. You know, between the pandemic and any other thing, every organization and industry has challenges and downtimes. But if you really do think about deeply about elements where you're firing on all cylinders, it's exciting and, and empowering and motivating. So I think as we look ahead to what we'll see in 2024, I think it's really important to consider the power of sharing with your colleagues, with your peers, what it is about your organization that is making you successful and how others can benefit from what you've learned. Well said, Ray. Well said. Well, I have an amazing lineup of guests for 2024, and I look forward to another great year. Thanks for listening to Associations Thrive. We're so glad to have you here. You know, my personal mission and the mission of my company, Matrix Group International, is to help associations and nonprofits increase membership, generate revenue, and thrive in the digital space. I want to hear stories of how your organization is thriving in today's challenging landscape. Please apply to be on my show by going to podcast.matrixgroup.net. By the way, do you need help with a digital initiative? Maybe it's a website redesign, a new membership database, or a hybrid meeting that you're planning. I'd love to connect with you. Please visit the Matrix Group website at matrixgroup.net. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Associations Thrive. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a five-star rating, post a comment, and share it with your colleagues and friends. Bye.